We interrupt your regularly scheduled program for an emergency news bulletin. They say, only in America, right? Good God Almighty. Folks, as the special news broadcaster told you up top, this is an emergency broadcast here on the new TNN podcast feed. And we are so sorry to interrupt what was a regularly scheduled program. Yeah, so today we were going to be bringing you... A brand new episode of Junkman, covering an amazing film from 1991 that's still coming, by the way, because I have all the notes, and I'm not just going to let that go to waste. But um, here in the real world, some some crazy things are happening, which necessitate this emergency broadcast of Ringman, the show here on the new TNN, where we take a look at the wars of sports entertainment. And oh my god, only from the mind of Vince Russo could this happen, folks. Vince McMahon, CEO of WWE, I wanted to say former CEO of WWE, has somehow written himself into an actual real-life WWE storyline by hostilely forcing his way back onto the WWE board so he can so he can inject some poison! Oh, I probably should have done that episode. Huh. Oh, well. So here on Rigman, we are going to have an emergency recap, review, and look back at Vince McMahon himself. More importantly, the one moment in sports entertainment history that gives you everything you need to know about Vince McMahon. It's... The September 16th, 1999 episode of WWF Smackdown on the new UPN. <laughs> you see what I did there with the new and the and the, and the network letters? All right, fine. It wasn't that funny. Yeah, guys. I mean, I'm just as shocked as you are. I'm just as appalled as you are. I understand that Vince McMahon is within his legal rights. Okay? Like, I do. Like, I... Public opinion. Personal slash public opinion don't always match up with legalities, okay? And that's a that's a harsh reality. It sucks. It's happening. I can't do anything about it, but I can shamelessly cash in on it and talk about the night that Vince McMahon battles Triple H in the main event of SmackDown for the WWF Championship. How about it? I don't really know what to say. Like, is he going to sell it? I mean, it's time. I mean, you might as well. It's like... um. Uh, oh gosh, I don't want to take credit for it, but uh, I was I was listening to uh, the Lapsed Fan uh, doing their uh, recap of TNA and Hulk Hogan and all that shit, and the evidence that they projected really made a solid case for 
Eric Bischoff's desire to have uh, seen TNA sell itself to Spike TV back in the day. That way it becomes a permanent Spike asset, and they have no reason to cut ties with it. Um, so is this the time? I mean, WWE is so integrated into Peacock's existence. Is this the, ta- the time to sell it to Universal, NBC? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not a fucking ec- economist, okay? But we will see what happens. But all we can do, folks, is take a look back at what Vince McMahon has given us in his of his mind, of his body, and of his soul, damn it. Now, I'm pretty sure this show's still written by Vince Russo, but Vince McMahon's still making the final call. It's the fourth episode of WWF SmackDown, so it's uh, a new hope for all of us. Ironically, when I started this podcast feed, I had a limited series called SmackDown 6 that I never finished. I got to the first three episodes, so hey, what do you know? Here I am covering the fourth episode, although this is just a, this is just a look back. I'm not doing any points or anything like that, if you ever listen to those shows. This is just trying to understand how this moment actually happened. But it's September 16th, 1999, uh, taped on September 14th. Still blows my mind that they would tape this, because I remember... I mean, I remember heading to WF.com and seeing the headlines Wednesday morning or Tuesday night even and just being blown away. And uh, But I'll give them credit for not hiding behind the taped schedule. Like, this is a real thing. It really happened, and here we are reporting on it. Michael Cole and Jerry the King Lawler are our hosts. Outside the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas, the referees have gone on strike following the events of Monday Night Raw. Uh, they're all like, we ain't taking it no more. We're not going to take it. We're not making three counts. We're not going to count shoulders anymore. There'll be no eye gouging. Fuck that, you can gouge the eyes now. No zebras here to save your soul. It was all ad lib, so hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we hit our regular SmackDown opening with... God, I didn't want to sing again so quickly, but I had it in my notes. Sing the song. I didn't have sing the word I'm going to take it song, so here we go. That's a SmackDown theme song. Michael Cole calls it the hottest action-adventure series on <laughs> I can't believe he said that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> the hottest action adventure. <laughs> I can't. Um, somebody in the crowd has a hardcore Holly side. Like it's three people. One says hard, one says core, the other says Holly. The effort. To praise Hardcore Holly here. Will we even have matches tonight, King? There's no referees. They're on strike. The glass breaks to a huge pop. Shocking. Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out wearing a fucking hat with a blue bill. This is an awful choice. Somebody should have fucking notified the rattlesnake. You might want to go in a different direction. Michael Cole. He is sports entertainment personified. I can't laugh anymore. Apparently, he fought Triple H on Raw, but lost via DQ because he struck Earl Hebner, who was the referee in charge. One of the reasons they've gone on strike here tonight. According to Triple H, that was his shot. Now Austin has to go to the back of the line. Stone Cold has words, as you can imagine. 
He <laughs> Triple H, you ain't through with me, not by a long shot. Uh, Earl Hemner was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and that's all I got to say about that. I forgot how often Stone Cold would quote a Forrest Gump, because he says, and that's all I got to say about that, like four times in this promo. Um, <laughs> after he says, Earl Hemner, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, that's all I got to say about that. Cole says, yeah, and now he's on the picket lines. I forgot that Michael Cole was doing his talking to the people and answering their questions that aren't questions on headset even back here in 99 because you know how Cole like Sasha Banks come out and she's like Bailey we fought on Raw and I proved I was the boss and let's say Bailey beat her up with a chair after the match Cole would be like well you're forgetting you got beat up with a chair after the match Sasha like he's talking to them even though they can't hear him it drives me bonkers well, Triple H, you beat my legs and my knees with a steel chair, but you ain't finished the job. It ain't done yet. If I can walk, your ass is going to be in my crosshair, son. So tonight, we can do things the easy way or the hard way. The easy way is a rematch tonight, but it won't be no ordinary match. It'll be a no-holds-barred match, you little bastard. Or the hard way is, well, son, you're going to be carted out of this arena in a body bag, and that's all I got to say about that. What? One, two? Is this one? That's right, here comes Triple H. He's got China with him. The rightful individual that should have risen from the ranks to dethrone Triple H at WrestleMania 16 or 2000, but that's fine. And some cops. Michael Cole lets us know that, according to .com yesterday, Triple H will be forced to defend his title at Unforgiven in a six-pack challenge, King. Young Mikey Cole. Oh, well. Um, so, he comes out and he says, and I quote, it's like M. Night Shyamalan wrote this quote, if you listen to my last Airbender review on Junk, man. You ain't getting Jack, Jack. You know, because he repeats the word. Either that or he's a huge fan of The Incredibles, which I don't even think had been released yet. But Stone Cold... I have been ordered to defend the gold tonight against a main event level talent. A main event level talent. That's just what we're saying on TV. Asshole. Asshole, says Las Vegas. Uh, I don't know how good you're hearing this, Triple H. We got 15,000 people calling you an asshole. Uh... Triple H then further pontificates on the fact that he has to defend against the main event challenge by letting Stone Cold know it might even be someone you've been in the ring with. And you know what? Since I'll be defending against someone you've been in the ring with, that's as close as you're going to get to this title. And that is the name... <laughs> I can't believe he's... And that is the name of the game... Did he try this as a catchphrase? I don't remember this. If this has been lost to history, we need to bring it back to make fun of Triple H. We make fun of him for all this other stuff. And sure, I'd rather have him in power than than uh, Vince himself in the real world. But, you know, we talk shit about the Booker T stuff. We talk shit about the uh, 2002 World Tour of... Or 2003 World Tour of Revenge where he loses to no one. How about... Then that's the name of the game. Like, please. That's evidence number one. Exhibit A, if you will, as to why we should make fun of Triple H. Austin vows to hunt Triple H throughout the show, uh, but we're done. 
That's the end, beginning of the promo. It's or the end of the promo. The the opening promo is done, and I really hope they didn't pay those cops anything because they didn't do a goddamn thing except stand there. Maybe they were just trying to get their SAG cards uh, for the days when uh, the police are uh, 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 no longer uh, held in such high regard. We get a graphic for the six pack challenge at Unforgiven. It's Big Show, Undertaker, Kane, Mankind, Rock, and Triple H. Of course, I was like, who's the six guy? It's Triple H couple of things, though, about this graphic, because uh, Undertaker's still booked for this match at the time. Undertaker looks drunk as a skunk in this graphic, all right? He just does. And they're using the shot of Triple H that they used in 99, where he's, like, standing with his arms crossed, like when he was in the corporation. And they just photoshopped the title onto his arms, and it looks pathetic. Uh, and who remembers this uh, paper? He was sponsored by Magic the Gathering. Who would have thunk they could have afforded it back in the day? Uh, we get footage of a tag team title match on Raw between the two-man power... No, they're not the two-man power trip. What are they? The um, Disciples of the... No. What are Big Show and Undertaker's team name? The Big Nasty Bastards? No. I just... <sighs> it's escaping me. I'll have to have to, have to to look it up sometime and then get back to you on that. Probably should look it up before I recorded. But it's Big Show Taker versus Rock and Foley, and everybody in the match took a shot at the ref, and then a ref ran in to replace the ref, and they punched the ref. Basically, it's their fault, along with what Austin did. Mikey, that being Cole, lets us know tonight, there is a five-man Royal Rumble between all the people in the six-pack challenge that aren't Triple H. Curtis Hughes! Wow! In his gra- and in his graphic, he's not wearing his Mr. Hughes getup, so I'm like all kinds of tripping out. Taking on Kenny Shamrock. The big boss man has challenged Al Snow to a pepper on a pole match. Told you Russo was still writing. But uh-oh, I hear a song. No chance! Chance, that's what you've got! Got! But it's not Skeletor, Vince McMahon. It's... Oh, yeah! What up, Kingfish? It's Shane McMahon, baby, and he's headed downtown wearing his athletic gear and his WWF Attitude T-shirt. I guess he's coming down here for a match. Hey, look at that! Sydney Margolis is here. Michael Cole calls her the queen of the internet and a star of Shasta McNasty here on UPN. Yes, I will attest. I my school, the elementary school I went to, you could buy Shasta to drink with your school lunch instead of chocolate milk. And yeah, Shasta is pretty fucking McNasty. But bigger question, can you do that? Can you just claim yourself the monarch of anything you want to? All right, fine. Henceforth, I shall be known as the king of pizza because I enjoy it quite a bit. Shane McMahon enters the ring and calls out the Mean Streets posse, especially Joey Abs. Joey Abs, I told you, this is about my sister Stephanie and her happiness. So, Joey, I'm not... Uh, Joey! <laughs> Joey, why are you with Pacey? Look at me, I'm Shane McMahon, baby. I can take you all kinds of places. Pacey can't afford to take you downtown. Look at me, I'm... Dawson Leary now. Does Pacey call you the baby with back? No, just me, Dawson Leary. Okay, so, Joey, I'm not asking. I'm telling you, get out here. It's time to fight. And here comes the Mean Streets Posse with Terry Ruddles. Attitude Era. Who can remember these things? 
I guess on Raw, Joey Abs called Stephanie McMahon a tramp. The Main Street Posse are down at ringside, all three of them. Terry walks away. So Shane McMahon can do a tope suicida. Shades of Ray Phoenix from AEW here in 1999 on SmackDown to all three members of the Posse of the Violent Streets. A bell rings, but no referee is present. Shane McMahon is insane on top of Joey Abs in the ring, but the Main Street Posse interfere because, like I said, there's no ref. Test and Shane watch from the background on a tiny TV. I hear a test chant, God help me, here in Las Vegas, as the Main Street Posse continue their unbalanced assault. Joey Abs takes control of the match, so the posse backs off to the outside. And fuck me sideways, here comes Gerald Briscoe in a referee shirt. Joey Abs is shocked. Shane gets a quick roll-up. One! Two! No. Both men back to a vertical base, and a suplex delivered by Joseph Abdominal gets another two count. Shane hits his patented leapfrog elbow. One, two, oh no! Uh, Pete Gass pulls Gerald Briscoe outside of the ring before three can be struck, but Gerald Briscoe does fight back. Rodney is is assaulting young Simba inside the ring. He's holding Simba. Joey, uh... (laughs) Joey, why are you going to clothesline Shane McMahon? Is it because I dated Jen? Joey Abs goes to hit a clothesline from Greenwich, but Shane ducks and Rodney eats the clothesline. Low blow by Shane. Here comes Pat Patterson in a referee shirt. Shane with a small package. One, two. Oh no, Rodney has pulled Pat Patterson out of the ring. It's chaos here on SmackDown as Simba hits a spear onto Joseph Abdominals. He goes up top, hits a corkscrew thing. Here comes someone in a referee shirt. Holy fucking hell. It's Sean Stasiak. Meet the mecca of manhood. Planet Stasiak, if you will. And he counts the one, two, three. Stephanie comes down to celebrate. King, kind of a funny line. Ah, Where did all those referee shirts come from? Ah I guess that uh, at one point the Mean Street Posse beat up Stasiak. So that's why he's coming out in a referee shirt. Uh, Stasiak... Shade and Steph celebrate in the ring. Test comes out to the fucking uh, ramp and stands by the Ovaltron and looks on, please, like Mr. Miyagi at the end of the Karate Kid. Like, Test is just like, very good, Shane, yes. And he kind of nods. It's just like Mr. Miyagi. Uh, Stephanie kicks Joey Abs in the balls. Uh... You could tell that Stephanie McMahon is a little cold here in Las Vegas as they leave the ring. The camera spikes Cindy Margolis again. In the back, WWF champion, women's champion, Ivory, looks displeased because Cindy Margolis is on the TV in front of her. And we head to a commercial. We're back. A dinosaur story. And here comes women's champion, Ivory. I hear, pray tell, she's a spitfire king. Uh, You know, she says she gets to meet lots of important people as the women's champion, athletes, politicians, and movie stars. And we have one here today. Cindy Margolis, stand up. Cindy stands. She waves. Oh, isn't she beautiful? Ivory praises. Ah, They are beautiful. Oh, God, King. King's not going to stop, folks. Why don't you come into the ring, Cindy? Cindy's in the crowd doing the, oh, no, I couldn't. Oh, I could. Oh, okay. And she does. She has to awkwardly mount the barricade and everything. King, put your tongue back in your mouth. I can't. Those are restaurant-quality puppies. Ah! Ivory continues to praise Cindy as she's now in the ring. She's going to be on Suddenly Susan with Brooke Shields. And, of course, Shasta McNasty here on UPN. Oh, she is McNasty. I want to get McNasty with her. Uh, 
Ivory praises that Sydney is the most downloaded woman thanks to www.sydneymargolis.com. Remember we used to say the full web address? Where's the HTTP colon slash slash, Ivory? You're, uh, you're lying to people without that colon slash. Um, oh, I'd love to download her, says King. Can you strike a pose for us, Cindy? Please, can you lay down and do a bikini pose? Cindy Marcolis is like, oh, thanks, but no, that's okay. I'm not going to do that right here. She goes to leave, but Ivory grabs her. Lay down and strike the pose before I lay you down myself, bitch! Sure enough, Cindy Margolis does lay down and kind of do a bikini pose. Oh, it's beautiful, Ivory says. But wait a minute. Here comes Jeff Jarrett. He locks in the figure four on a Cindy Margolis. Cindy Margolis sells the figure four by being like, please let go. Please let go. Like, it's, it's. I don't even care. Like, I don't. I don't care. I don't want to sit here and be like, oh, I'm so angry about this because I could give a fuck less. I do find it hilarious that that's her selling. She's like, ow, please let go. Like, because she's saying, let go, please. Like, and saying, ow, ow. It's pretty bad. Jarrett lets go, high fives Ivory, and then spears Ivory. He locks in the figure four on Ivory, and of course, Ivory, as a professional sports entertainer, starts flailing immediately in the figure four, as one would assume. Michael Cole believes that Jeff Jarrett is sending a message to China, who he'll face next week at Unforgiven. Well, I'll tell you what, Michael, he's the president of the He-Man Womanators Club. Ha ha! Lillian Garcia is in the back with the H's. Triple H, who will you challenge tonight? I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I'll tell you it isn't. It isn't Stone Cold Steve Austin. Back in the arena, here comes the champion of Europe. It's sexual, baby. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Silsby, Texas, greatest export. Sexual chocolate, Mark Henry. I love his Titantron image. I love the sexual chocolate, Mark Henry candy bar. Tonight, he is defending the gold against a man he betrayed on Raw. Let me explain. Mark Henry was in a tag team match with Steve Blackman on Raw against D'Lo Brown and Val Venus. However, Mark Henry never showed up for the match. Well, Steve Blackman was left hung to dry, obviously. But later in the evening... GTV caught up with our friend Mark Henry, and it appears that during the match, he was in the backstage area with the Godfather and his, well, let's just say, associates. This, of course, made Steve Blackman furious. The Mark Henry theme song ends, and then this happens. I guess all you have to do here in the wars of sports entertainment is to lose a handicap match and you become the number one contender for the European gold because Steve Blackman is out to do battle as a challenger. The bell rings. Steve Blackman strikes right away. Tony Gurria is our scab referee assigned for this contest. Outside, Steve Blackman jumps off the steel steps and hits a clothesline from Pennsylvania. He throws Mark Henry back inside the ring. Back Blackman mounts the uh, ring apron and is holding on to the ropes here. Out comes Val Venus with a kendo stick. He stabs Steve Blackman in the dick with a kendo stick. 
and then hits an insane unprotected headshot with the kendo stick to Steve Blackman. Uh, Mark Henry just grabs the corpse of Steve Blackman, covers him for the one, two, three, but holy shitballs! Here comes D'Lo Brown, and he hits the sky high on Mark fucking Henry! It's not super high, but it's about sky mid. I mean, it's fine. It's a big guy. And then we get to hear D'Lo's theme song. You're looking at the real tune now, D'Lo Brown. Stuh, stuh. I didn't know this was going to be a musical episode, but all these theme songs, I love them. Backstage, Sydney Margolis is on a stretcher. Jeff Jarrett confronts her. Hey, Queen of the Internet, that's a message to China from my internet. Why don't you download that? And then he kind of... He kind of has an awkward pause, but it is the end of his statement with, why don't you download that? And it's... I'm just... That's the perfect insert place for... Yo, slap ass. But we're just, you know, he's got a few more weeks in the WWF before he can start saying slap nuts or slap ass. Test is here, deciding to defend his fellow Canadian like, hey, leave her alone, eh? And some fisticuffs break out as we head to a commercial, but we're back. The Red Rooster is interviewing Jeff Jarrett. And uh, he's like, why'd you text Cindy Margolis, bro? Oh, forget about Sydney Margolis. She's just a dumb blonde. <laughs> and you know who's another dumb dumb blonde? It's Test. And I'm na- tonight uh, issuing a challenge for my belt. Really botched this promo, but I guess it's Test versus JJ for the IC title tonight. Back in the arena. Break the walls down! 1999, Chris Jericho is here to save the World Wrestling Federation. Curtis is already in the ring, wearing his own shiny purple shirt. And it's at this point I notice this episode has been completely plagued with audio issues. I don't know what the fuck the deal is, but the audio channel is fucking hopping all over in my headset here. Like... Jericho's talking and I'm hearing it in both ears and then it's just he's in my left and I'm hearing crowd noise in my right like this is a poorly edited together piece of WWF production officially in my opinion uh we get a flashback to Raw where Chris Jericho debuted a special steel cage match called the Y2 Jail uh, he was going to fight Gatch Gracie. I guess that's a real human being of the Gracie clan. Uh, but it was actually Curtis Hughes. Ken Shamrock, uh, you know, was, was I guess, rused on Raw. I don't really, they don't really explain it well. Who cares, though? Because Chris Jericho has a microphone and says, I am one bad mamma jamma. Backstage, Ken Shamrock came up to me and finally admitted defeat. He's dubbed me the world's most dangerous man. And he begged me to never, ever meet him again. He also licked my boots. He then dubs Mr. Hughes Curtis. He's just he's just Curtis now. Because, you know, Curtis, Ralphus, they both end in is. Brand synergy, though. Now, Curtis is to face a Ken Shamrock this evening. But as we are all aware, there are no referees. But he has found a referee. A referee that is so famous that he has to wear a mask in public. Senor Manuel Garcia Lopez, or of course, as we all know him, El Dopo. Sure enough, a Mexican luchador masked man enters the arena with his own theme music. It's somewhere between Tito Santana 
and Alberto Del Rio's music. That's Tito Santana. And of course, Alberto Del Rio is. El Dupo's music is somewhere in between those two. Come on, give him a round of applause. We all grew up watching this guy. Yeah. And it's El Dopo. I mean, he's the masked luchador with a referee shirt and some plaid pants. Here comes Kenny Kenny Shamrock. Uh, I, I do love that King is doing the necessary heel shit on commentary, okay? So obviously El Dopo is not a, a true masked luchador character that has a legendary run in the World Wrestling Federation, as Jericho claims. But King's like, oh man, I remember all those classic El Dopo matches. <laughs> what do you know about the Dopo family, King? Retorts Michael Cole. Shamrock attacks Curtis and the bell rings. Shamrock is on top with mounted punches. Y2J joins us on commentary and calls Michael Cole the worst commentator ever. Curtis backdrops Kenny over the top rope. Uh, About his relationship with Curtis, Jericho lets us know his origins. This man is a killer. I found him on the streets of Harlem destroying guys left and right. Yeah, I don't really do a Jericho impression, guys. Sorry. Curtis hits the Savage Crush Summit onto Ken Shamrock. You know, he dropped him on the railing. Shamrock, however, takes control. Jericho lets us know not to worry. It's okay. It's a ruse. It's just a ruse. Jericho then praises El Dopo's MSG classics from the 60s and 70s. Ken Shamrock approaches Jericho at the table. Jericho runs around the circle. Jericho runs around the ring in a circle like it's a goddamn Looney Tunes cartoon. Uh, Curtis springs out of nowhere with a clothesline from Harlem. As we just learned, he's from Harlem. Y2J and Curtis stomp on Shamrock. El Dopo has some mask problems and can't see. They choke out Shamrock with some cables. They roll him inside the ring, and Curtis hits a body slam and an elbow. Covers. One. No. Just a one count. Shamrock immediately rolls out and hits the ankle lock and locks it in on Curtis. Curtis grabs the ropes. The bell rings immediately upon Curtis grabbing the ropes. Everyone's a little confused. Luckily, the cameraman is near the uh, timekeeper and announcer's table, and El Dopo comes over to tell the ring announcer who won. El Dopo says, and I quote, Disqualificatima, El Señor Shamrock Disqualificatima. Which lets us know that Shamrock has been disqualified, I guess. And it just lets us know that uh, El Dopo is the fink. And true enough, Shamrock is disqualified for not breaking when Curtis grabbed the ropes. Curtis victorious. Curtis and Y2J leave. Shamrock unmasks El Dopo. Fink confirmed. No, he can't do that. The mask is sacred to those people. What people, King? It's Howard Finkel. Shamrock kicks the fink and leaves angrily. Lillian Garcia is in the back with Mankind. Uh, Lillian's all like, Well, you and The Rock are both in the five-man Royal Rumble tonight. How do you feel about it? Well, Lillian, how do you feel about it? Lillian starts to talk. It doesn't! Oh, see, I could have got you there, Lillian. (laughs) You know, Rock and I are going to be a team in there tonight. We're We're like a luxury automobile. Rock's the front end. And Mankind is the rear end. But not just any rear end. He's the people's rear end. But Mick, what if Triple H picks you tonight as his challenger? Uh, that would be cool. 
But you know what would be even cooler if he picked the rock? And I could stand at ringside and cheer him on and work on some new material. Like, know your role. Hey, you kid, shut your mouth. Have a nice day. And we head to a commercial. We're back with the Lugs Boot of the Week. It's just a replay of The Rock, Mankind, and the Unholy Alliance. Told you I'd remember their name. Uh, beating up the referees on Raw. Back in the arena. Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? I guess The Rock drew number one in the five-man Royal Rumble because here he comes in his gear. Mikey and the King let us know that the winner of this five-man Royal Rumble gets to start the six-pack challenge with Triple H. So that's what this is all about. Uh, Before we can start this match, though, uh, some useless trivia that just popped into my head. Is 1999 the only year in WWE history that can claim to have three Royal Rumble matches? I don't know. I didn't, like, do research or anything like that. But, you know, in January, we've got the corporate Royal Rumble, you know, with, like, Mr. McMahon and China and Tess, the corporate team's hired gun. And then we've got the actual Royal Rumble in 99. And then here we are with this SmackDown Royal Rumble match. I don't know, man. I, I, it's kind of crazy. Also just goes to show you how crazy the Attitude Era was. But also, before we can start the Rumble, The Rock has a microphone and cuts a promo standing on the second turnbuckle like a god hovering above the ring. Oh, this is the type of shit that, you, you know, you do it, I don't know, just, The Rock got over, obviously, because he's awesome, but just this type of shit, like, it just works so well. <sighs> he says, finally, obviously. Now, what I like about this promo, ladies and gentlemen, is it's one of those story promos. You know, The Rock paints a picture of fictional events that have never or have ever or will ever happen. It's kind of like when I do Toad Man here on the new TNN, shameless plug, when I review Dawson's Creek. You know, normally, my co-host is film connoisseur Kevin Nash, in the finger quotes, you know, a fictional character that I invented. You know, it's like a version of Kevin Nash that's a snarky, holier-than-thou type of, uh, you know, entertainment snob. I did say fiction, right? Or in the latest episode, I, I, I hosted with a uh, confused but enthusiastic force ghost, Dusty Rhodes. So, you know, a transparent version of Dusty Rhodes that's kind of blue, uh, that's enthused about watching Dawson's Creek, but a little confused about what Dawson's Creek is? That's, that's fictional shit that doesn't actually exist. In this fictionalized world of The Rock's promo, he sees or envisions his four opponents, The Undertaker, The Big Show, Kane, and Mankind, traveling with one another to the Tropicana Hotel that's right down the road. And when they enter this casino, they find what he calls the world's best slot machine. And you absolutely can't miss it when you walk into the casino because there's a giant Brahma bowl on the front of the slot machine. It's called the People's Slot Machine. All right. Aha! I saw that today, says the king. Which, again, is I, I just love when the heel commentators like go along with the bullshit. Like uh, El, you know, the El Dopo uh, king's like, Oh yeah, I know all about him! I just like it. One of you pulls the handle. Doesn't matter whom. The slot machine twirls. It rolls. The slots move up and down. You see one from a bowl. The second slot, two Brahma Bowls. The third slot, three Brahma Bowls. You done hit the jackpot. You're jumping around 
like a bunch of idiots. The Undertaker, jumping around with his Mickey Mouse tattoos and his 33-pound head, screaming like a girl. <laughs> so that's what The Undertaker's doing. Then, all of a sudden, you see Kane running around doing cartwheels, scaring everybody in the casino, saying, I won. I won. Let's party. The crowd, of course, is laughing at this, which, as am I. And the biggest goof of them all, the Big Slow, sits there scaring all the Rock fans by going, and then the Rock does his mock the Big Joe chokeslam hand gesture and sound, the And then, you'll notice Mick Foley has been omitted, and then the doors open, and the Rock arrives. As the Rock looks at you four with tears rolling down your cheeks and piss rolling down your legs. The Rock says he's going to gather up all the gold coins you won in front of the millions and millions. He's going to take those gold coins. He's going to shine them up real nice. Then he's going to turn in some bitches sideways. Stick him straight up your candy ass if you smell what The Rock is cooking. So, again, it's a fun one. I indulge a little bit. Thanks for letting me do that. It's just these are the types of things. And then you and your buddies can walk around you know, high school, and be like, you know, you want to make fun of your buddy, Timmy, that failed the test? You'd be like, oh, man, we were in the classroom. And you could tell Timmy was struggling. He was just like, and you could do the big show chokeslam motion because now The Rock's done a one-off gag that means something to you and your friends. And that's one of the reasons why wrestling was so popular with teenagers. That's one of the reasons why some of the Russo Attitude Era shit was. Now, I'm not saying Russo wrote The Rock's thing. All right, but it's just the little things about a character. It's the little random thing that they say, you know. Like you could look at your buddy who's like, "We're gonna go to the movies tonight." I don't want to go to movies tonight. I want to go shopping. Come on, Timmy, don't piss me off. I don't know. I'm just speaking the obvious. It's time to see who drew number two in this Royal Rumble match. It's the Big Slow. He comes down the aisle, and it looks like him and both his pirate earring that he's wearing are pissed off at The Rock for cutting this promo. We then, very awkwardly, as the Big Show is walking down the ramp, cut to China and Triple H backstage, surrounded by cops. Triple H says to China, If I do see him, I'm going to jump him. And we head to a commercial. We're back! That was so weird. We're back, and the Big Show is just now entering the ring. Strange. The bell rings, and so the Royal Rumble match of a SmackDown nature is underway. Rock! Immediately hits rock punches. You know, the punch, 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 slap, slap, slap your thigh punches. Uh, Cole lets us know it's one-minute intervals. Show misses a big show splash in the corner, but then rams the rock's head into the turnbuckle, which makes the rock crumble on the ropes, and the big show starts choking him, and the countdown begins. Number three is Mankind. He gets a huge pop. Fitting, as we've got a huge fully here he's a little wide okay and i'm sorry but it's it's 1999 fall mankind would tell you himself okay he immediately saves the rock and they beat the big show so he's leading up against the ropes then a uh, double team irish whip and they do the rock and sock combo thing with the rock like uh he like punches you in the gut and you kneel down and then mankind runs over and hits the million dollar knee lift they then hit a double clothesline show is down they do a double thumbs up to one another. The countdown begins. 
Number four, my God, it's got to be Kane. Still no eliminations here in this grueling Royal Rumble matchup. Kane's theme sounds really distorted on the audio. So this is it. I only mention this because I want to point to this. If you do watch this show and you're wearing some headphones, when Kane comes down the aisle, if you haven't noticed it before, you can't not notice it now. Rock and Kane pair up to do battle. Big Show and Mankind pair up to do battle. It's just typical Royal Rumble leading up against the rope stuff, even though we're only four minutes into this Royal Rumble. The countdown hits. Who could be number five? Oh, well, I guess by process of elimination, it is The Undertaker. The Undertaker comes down the aisle. And folks, I'm in a bit of a quagmire here. Giggity, giggity. He's in... His street clothes, okay? The Undertaker is literally the biker taker right now, right here, but he is the Undertaker. He hasn't had any official rebranding. As a bit of a trivia note, I did read that this is his last match, because he barely participates, so I'm doing the finger quotes, before coming back with um and American Badass! Watch me kick! You can roll with rock or you can radio edit. I'm a porno flick! I'm like Amazing Grace! I'm gonna pass some pull after I rock this place! Superfly! Live a double wide! Sidecar McLeod's a Josie can ride! I say, hey, hey! Why do I know the words, hey, hey! Poisoned by wrestling, I say, hey! You know, wrestling's taking up so much room in my brain. I'm not going to sit here and say that maybe I could have been like a doctor or a scientist and cured cancer, but being a wrestling fan absolutely eliminated that possibility from my timeline because just useless wrestling information up here. All right. Now, Undertaker's still walking down the aisle at this point. He goes towards the steps and Michael Cole makes the strangest call of the century. And we're close to 2000 here, but he says that he just says the dumbest shit. Undertaker, bandana over his head, about to climb. Well, I thought he was coming in the ring, but it looks like he's coming over here with us, King. Now, what he said is good information, all right? Because Undertaker takes a step on the steps, thinks better of it, and goes over to commentary. But why in the world would he say, Undertaker, bandana over his head? <laughs> First of all, Bandana over his head? No one says it like that. He would say, Undertaker with a bandana on. Second of all, you don't. no one ever references the outfit unless it's like a special thing like, I don't know, uh, Rey Mysterio channeling the Joker here at WrestleMania. Like, that's when you reference it, okay? Like, the bandana all over his head? I'm done. I, I've given it more, but I guess this is why it comes in a new TNN because I'm going to talk about bandana over his head more than I'm going to worry about how good the match was because that's what you want to hear, right? It is true. Undertaker joins them on commentary. Uh, low blow to Big Show from The Rock. Rock and Sock, then DD, the double team up on Kane. I wrote DT. Should have wrote the not DDT. R- Rock whips Mick into Kane. Hits a clothesline, and Kane is out of here. Mankind, dead center ring, thumbs up, celebrate. Rock grabs fully from behind and tosses him. Well, so much for Rock and Sock. But the Rock turns around and eats a choke slam from the big show. Undertaker on commentary says, The Rock's been laughing up and down this arena. Now we're going to see that he's the phony tough. <laughs> he's the phony tough and crazy brave. God, I hate that fucking catchphrase. Big Show tosses Rock over the top rope. Rock 
hangs on shades of what will happen in a 2000 Royal Rumble. And according to this uh, match's scab referee, the security guy with huge muscles and the backwards Kangol hat. That's who the scab referee is. You guys know who I'm talking about? The big fucking muscly dude that looks like Prince Albert without the goatee that always had the Kangol hat the WWF shirt on. He's the scab referee. He lets us know Rock has not been eliminated. Big Show, however, believes that The Rock has. He turns his back to The Rock, hits center ring, and celebrates with his patented... Rock re-enters the ring. Rock punches The Big Show. Undertaker decides to bail on commentary with the closing words, This is why I am the power. Undertaker enters the ring and tosses both men by just touching their waistlines. Doesn't actually get physically, physically involved as he's got a busted-ass groin or something like that. But The Undertaker wins! So that means the British Bulldog will be starting the six-pack challenge, I suppose. I kind of want to rewatch Unforgiven just to see if Big Show... Or not Big Show, if, if uh, British Bulldog starts the match since he's replacing The Undertaker and Undertaker won the right. Or is that victory null and void due to the injury? Big Show immediately gets in the Undertaker's face. Viscera and Midian are here to separate them. Didn't know the ministry was still a thing. The Rock grabs a chair. He kills Midian dead with it. He kills Viscera dead with it. But the Big Show kicks the chair into the Rock's face. And it actually looks good. The ministry beats down. And the theme song of the Unholy Alliance plays. Backstage, the Holly Cousins crash and hardcore walk. Crash carries the scale as we go to a commercial. We're back, and the Hollies are coming down to the ring. Remember earlier when I talked about the guys in the arena that had the three-part side that said Hardcore and Holly? They got themselves some more TV time. Uh, in case you were wondering, SmackDown is brought to us by Castrol GTX, Burger King, and Milky Way that's got some new caramel in their Milky Way, so hopefully it tastes good. They cut themselves a promo in the middle of the ring. Okay, China, time's up. You had time to find a partner. I guess they challenged her to a tag team match on Raw. Well, hold on. Hold on. One, two. Is is this on? China is here. The rightful contender for Triple H's throne at WrestleMania 16. She has no partner. She enters the ring and Hardcore Holly says, Where's your partner, tough guy? I mean, tough girl. There is no partner, though. Referee Earl Hebner signals for the bell, and we're under... Wait a minute. Earl Hebner? Oh, no, it's Dave! <laughs> How much money do they spend on a plastic surgery, dude? China and Crash Holly start. Uh, we get a big right from the ninth wonder of the world. Crash is down and immediately tags his big cuz Hardcore. Hardcore and China lock up. Hardcore is in control, but no. China hits a big elbow. Crash comes in to run interference, but China hits both Hollies with a double low blow right in front of referee Dave Hebner, and he does nothing. Suddenly, Mr. Ass is here. I guess he's volunteered to be the partner. Hardcore Holly hits a suplex on China and talks some shit to Billy. This allows China to recover and hit a DDT. China falls into her own corner. Billy makes a hot tag all by himself. He hits the Famouser to Robert Holly and gets the one, two, three. China is not pleased. She confronts Billy Gunn with her back to the entranceway. Jeff Jarrett is pulling like quadruple duty here. He runs down, hits China in the back of the head with a frying pan. China goes down like a sack of potatoes. Billy Gunn don't give a fuck because he leaves. Deborah and Miss Kitty come back, come down carrying a gift bag. Jarrett pulls an apron out of the gift bag. 
China is on her back on the mat unconscious. Uh, Jeff puts the apron over her waist where a person would wear an apron. They then pull a soup ladle out of the gift bag, put it in China's hand. They put the frying pan in the other, and Jeff grabs the microphone. All right, China, you got the apron, you got the frying pan in the soup ladle. Get out of my ring and fix me some supper. And Jarrett Enterprises, as this conglomerate is known, leaves the ring. Lillian Garcia is in the back with the Big Boss Man. Big Boss Man, are you prepared for a pepper-on-a-pole matchup? Now, how this is going down is Pepper, at this point in the storyline, is already dead. But his remains are in a paper bag that is held by the Big Boss Man. And on this bag are written the words, Pepper Remains. It is a doggy bag. Oh, no, wait, is it a doggy bag? I can't remember what's written on it, but it's it's a doggy bag. That's where Pepper's remains are. Big Boss Man has words that need to be heard by all. Al Snow better be hungry, because after I get through kicking his ass, I'm going to climb that pole, grab that bag, and take what's left of this dirty dog meat and shove it right down his freaking throat. Say what you will about the Big Boss Man, but his mid to late 1999 had some legendary promos. You hear that, Paul White? You're a nasty bastard. <sighs> Big Boss Man's coming to the ring now. Tony Chimmel is our ring announcer and says, The following contest is a pepper on a pool match. Now, I'm not sure if Tony Chimmel had to take a pause here for like reasons of the production. But after he says, the following contest is a pepper on a pool match, there's a decently large pause before he says anything else again. And I'm thinking in my head, he's just like, really? Did I just say that out loud? The scab referee is Sergeant Slaughter. (laughs) On Sergeant Slaughter, the king says he looks like he's had a few lassie sandwiches. Cole hypes up that in a couple of weeks at Unforgiven, the kennel from hell will be unleashed. The bag says doggy bag. Oh, I did take a note. It says doggy bag. What does everybody want? Here comes the snowman. He sprints down to the ring and the bell rings. Al Snow unleashes fists and stomps. It appears the Al Snow character has lost it. He climbs the pole, but no. The big boss man hits the clothesline from Cobb County, Georgia. Boss man goes for another clothesline. Al Snow ducks and locks in those patented Al Snow headbutts. Al Snow climbs. Michael Cole lets us know that Al Snow is the current hardcore champion. I know this because I reviewed the show that took place before this. Last week on SmackDown, the British Bulldog returned, and he beat the big boss man for the hardcore title. As the British Bulldog was leaving the ring holding the hardcore title, Al Snow came out to gloat at the big boss man. The British Bulldog handed Al Snow the hardcore title and just walked away, thus making Al the champion. Al is up top, like I mentioned. He goes for the remains, but thinks not of it, and hits a flying body press. But the boss man catches Al and slams him down. Boss man grabs his nightstick and hits Al Snow in the gut. It's legal, because it's a pepperoni pole match. The big boss man climbs. He goes to reach, but wait a minute! Michael Cole yells, Here comes the British Bulldog with some Rottweilers! And while that is some somewhat true, let me tell you how it actually went down. Somebody does come down the aisle. It's a tiny guy, a guy who's obviously not a sports entertainer. And there's a lady as well who's not a sports entertainer. 
They're being basically drugged down the aisle with huge Rottweilers, and they're clearly the dog-handling crew that's been brought in for this special encounter. Way behind them is a very sweaty British Bulldog who probably missed his cue in a gray sweatshirt, looking all sorts of stupid, awful, and like he should be getting help. The big boss man does grab the remains of Pepper, the doggy bag, if you will, but the Rottweilers start to bark furiously at him from the ringside area. Boss man thinks that, well, maybe if I'm not holding a dead dog's remains, they won't bark at me, and tosses the doggy bag down to the floor. Al Snow sees this and grabs the remains, and the big boss man flees, leaps over the fucking security railing, and barely escapes these rabid Rottweilers. The bell rings and Al Snow is victorious. God love him, even though I've been making fun of him. Michael Cole takes the time to explain that Al wins because the contract signed in this encounter indicated you had to retrieve the bag from the pole and then both feet must hit the floor. And they were shocked the kennel from hell didn't go well. Backstage, Triple H is again talking to China, and they're also surrounded by cops. They're near the outside area. Triple H tells China, We gotta be careful tonight. Someone might ruin our big plans. They walk out of the view of the camera with the fleet of police officers. Behind them is a WWE production truck. We see that Stone Cold Steve Austin, much like a Bugs Bunny, is poking his head out of the back of this semi-truck with some sort of devious scheme of brewing up in his skull as we head to a commercial. We're back from commercial with the SmackDown Smack the Night presented by Duke Nukem Zero Hour for the Nintendo 64. Game looks awful, according to this footage. And the Slam of the Smack of the Night is just the figure four that Jeff Jarrett applied to a Cindy Margolis. We're back in the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas, and here comes Jeff Jarrett and his posse to defend the Intercontinental Championship against Test. The King loses it on commentary, as one would expect. Test sprints down to the ring, so I barely get to hear Test. This is a Dist. 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 This is a Dist. Bring it on! Bring it! Bring it! Bring it on! Pea soup. Yep, I thought those were the lyrics for a long time. I mean, they might be. I never looked it up. It's bring it on! Bring it! Bring it! Bring it on! pea soup. If it's not, I don't care. That's what I'm sticking with. The bell rings, and here we go. Referee is timekeeper Marky Eaton. Jeff Jarrett, I'd just like to note, is wearing my favorite version of his tights, the ones with the white J's on them, reflecting against the silver base. You know, brief aside here, growing up, I always told people my favorite color was white, which which sounds horrendous, okay, but please hear me out here. I'm very colorblind, very, very colorblind, especially as a kid. Like, I don't know, like, uh, my brain just couldn't, I mean, I'm better now, uh, better than I have been, especially with these sweet new glasses I got, but that's aside from the point. But, you know, like, in art class, my teacher would be like, use the, the brown crayon, and I, you know, if they weren't labeled, I ain't picking the right one. So, you know, when you're a kid, people are like, oh, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite color? You know, and I was like, white. And like nobody's favorite color is white, and I understand, all right. Uh, but that was just what I said, man. And now I'm gonna cry. Test hits his big immunity big boot right away, because remember and never forget, Test had. Well, I was gonna say has, but Test had immunity too soon. 
Tess then hits a big spinning sidewalk slammerooski. One, two, no. A massive We Want Puppies chant breaks out. And hey, don't forget to tune into Monday Night Raw on October 12th to see Shane and Tess tie the knot. I think that's the original date before the Russo exodus. Test hits his patented diving headbutt to the groin powerbomb. But wait, here come Rodney. Have there been any matches without interference? Here come, I mean, because this sounds like a review of WCW 2000. Here come Rodney and Pete Gass. Test is distracted. Jarrett takes advantage and hits one of his patented beautiful drop kicks. He goes to the top rope and hits a clothesline from Music City, USA. Test, however, hits a big power slam called What a Maneuver by Michael Cole, which is proof, if you ever needed it, that Vince is just in his ear the entire show. My goodness, Stephanie McMahon is here getting in Rodney's face, but this gives Pete Gass the opportunity to throw Test into the solid steel step's shoulder first. Shane McMahon is here. He's a clubber in Rodney to protect his sister. The Stooges and Sean Stasiak that attack. I, I just can't keep track of this cluster. A bell rings for some reason. It's a DQ. I don't know who got the DQ victory. There are eight men brawling in the ring. The crowd is chanting, we want puppies. Which of these eight men do you want to see? And spoiler alert, like five of them, you can see. Because I think Patterson and Stasiak and Briscoe are the only ones wearing shirts. Well, Shane, you know what? Fuck it. I don't care. This crowd's appalling. No, they're not too bad. They just like boobs. What are you going to do? Um, What happens? Oh, Jarek takes Tess to the top rope and does like a jumping bomb angel's shoulder breaker. Yeah, I made that up, but he does, like, fuck around with his shoulder. And Tess is like, oh, stiff my shoulder. It's just an excuse to get Steph out of the, or Steph and Tess out of the arena for what happens next. It doesn't matter. But here's the thing. Tess is like, oh, stiff my shoulder. Stephanie goes down to form a protective cocoon around an Andrew Martin. Jeff Jarrett sees a woman is near the mat of a wrestling ring and goes to lock in the figure four. Out of nowhere, though, shades of David Arquette in Ready to Rumble. Shane McMahon hits the spear. Shane, based on this pop, appears to be the biggest babyface in the wars of sports entertainment. Jarrett Enterprises flees the scene. Test is in pain, but Steph is safe. In the backstage area, Triple H walks with the fucking army of police and China with him as we head to a commercial. We're back! Triple H and China are making the walk to the ring. His uh, security force waits at the ramp. They kind of look like the First Order up there, all lined up nice and tight. But no, police officers would never join together and form a corrupt group like the First Order. Backstage, Test and Stephanie head to a medical facility. And now, folks, here's where shit gets real. It's all built to this. Triple H versus Vince McMahon 24 years ago. Triple H has the microphone. I'm being forced to defend. You know, it's a big night here on UPN, but I have the right to choose not only my opponent, but the referee. And I've chosen Shane McMahon. Now, Shane, according to the last segment, is the biggest babyface in the company, but he's still kind of Triple H's boy, too. Kind of weird, but whatever. Shane is backstage watching on a tiny TV with Vince McMahon and Linda McMahon. This is interesting. First appearance of Vince McMahon. Okay, don't let history, don't let that get lost to history. Okay, this is a huge night for the Vince McMahon character or Vince the person, however you want to look at it. Okay, but he's off camera 
until there's only 18 minutes left in the show. So don't let that get lost to history, okay? He's not, like, all over this thing, and there's a reason why. And it just the fucking parallels here, guys. I can't even. I might be looking for it, but just hear me out as we build to the moment where the bell rings, okay? Vince is like, I don't know, Shane, can you do it? It's been a big night for you. You're up to it. Yeah, I'll take care of it, pups. No problems. Shane comes to the ring. The blue order lets him through. High fives all around for Triple H and for China. Hey, Triple H and KKK. China, how you been? Now, there are numerous superstars that should be considered for my opponent. Guys like The Undertaker. <laughs> he gives some speech about like, uh, I don't want to fight The Undertaker. Big show. I beat him with the sledgehammer, so no. Kane. Uh, he just broke up with X-Pac and I don't want to hurt him anymore. However, nice moment here as, I don't know if it's UPN on the original broadcast or Peacock, someone has gone back when Kane was being spoken of and edited out a word, and I'm glad that they did. Should I fight mankind? No, go play with your sock, Foley. Who does that leave? Oh yeah, the people's ass. No. Who's it going to be then? Someone that fought in a main event with Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm going to probably stop the Triple H voice because number one, it's starting to hurt. And number two, let's pay attention. And these are his words. This person is somebody special. An individual that is playing in a game he wants no part of. An individual who wants to be a hero. An individual who has taken it upon himself to come into this very ring and try to steal my glory my thunder and this is an individual with balls the size of grapefruits me? says the king Vince you want to be a hero Jack you want to be a star now Vince and Linda are on the Ovaltron watching Triple H says he will put his title on the line in order to get a piece of Vince McMahon. His title. Not his championship, not the belt, but his title. How about it, Vince? Triple H mocks Linda. He calls Vince a chicken shit. I'm pulling your punk card, Vince. How about you, Linda? You might not be able to handle the game, but I'll at least let you ride my bench. Vince now stands up and makes the walk to the ring. Shane in the ring is like, Triple H, hey, 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 come on, you really want to fight my pops? I don't know, man. Vince is here. The police let him through. He has a microphone and he enters the ring. He talks to Triple H and the first thing he says, I find this very poetic. He's talking into his microphone, but I don't think they've turned it on yet. But he's very close to Triple H, so we can sort of barely hear what he's saying. Like it's a private moment between Vince McMahon and Triple H. As Vince McMahon says, Let's go in the back and discuss this like business people. Such insane, eerie parallels here, folks. Because in the storylines, Vince McMahon has been barred from conducting WWF business. 
due to the fact that The Undertaker lost the first blood fully loaded end of an era match at fully loaded 99. The only reason Vince is even allowed out here is because he's an active, contracted competitor and the title is on the line. The title the Triple H holds, whatever the title might be, janitor, clerk, administrative assistant, chief creative officer, chief branding officer, whatever that title is, it's in jeopardy here when Vince comes back to do battle with Triple H. And so, Vince says, no, I won't fight you. Triple H then says, I know you can't do WWF business. Well, this is a fight, and I'll put the WWF title on the line. Fiction is reality, folks. What's the matter, no balls? I'm calling you out. Vince again refuses the call. Fine, go hide behind your skirt. But tell your sexually frustrated wife, if you can't get the job done, Triple H can go all night long. Now, we all know in the real world, Vince McMahon doesn't give a fuck about that. But nonetheless, the Vince McMahon character tackles Triple H. The bell rings, and here we go, the main event. Vince McMahon, who has been barred from conducting WWF business due to a contractual basis, versus Triple H, the man who holds the title. Triple H takes control, pulling the blazer over the head of Vince McMahon like they're in the Mighty Ducks 2, and stomps away. Cole tells us that Vince hurt his pelvis in a bike accident this summer. I forgot about that, even if I ever knew. Vince blocks a punch and hits a patented Vince McMahon backhanded slap punch thing. But Triple H is quickly back on top. Shane is refereeing the match fair. But in hilarious ways, he's also coaching Vince McMahon. Like when Vince is getting pummeled, Shane, instead of counting, like, one, two, because they're in the ropes, he's like, get your hands up. Don't quit. Come on. Come on, man. Triple H is choking the life now out of Vince McMahon, and Shane makes him break at a five count. Triple H gets in his face like, I thought we were friends, Shane McMahon. And Shane's like, Triple H, that's my pups down there. Shane does nothing. As Vince McMahon hits a low blow to Triple H. These McMahons and their dirty-handed tactics just pop it up out of nowhere when you least expect it. Both men go down. Shane administers a count, but Vince is up. Now Triple H is up. Vince runs toward Triple H and kind of stumbles and trips while running forward. Skipping ahead just a smidgy bit. We're outside the ring, and the sound mix is completely garbage. I can't fucking stand this show. Vince is getting choked out with the TV cables, and then slammed into the stairs face first. Come on, Dad! Teach him a lesson! Oh no, though. There's no lesson to be taught, because Vince McMahon is now flaccid on the announce table. Triple H mounts the barrier, and oh my god! An elbow into the heart of McMahon, and the table explodes! He may be shattered into multiple pieces! Hunter tosses Vince back inside. China hands Triple H a chair. Shane's like, no way, Triple H, that's too much. So Triple H shoves Shane McMahon. And then, what do you know? A ridiculously unsafe, unprotected chair shot to the skull of a Vince McMahon. Shane spears Triple H in G.I. Joe retaliation. China enters the ring and pulls Shane off of Triple H. The crowd is yelling Austin. 
Michael Cole tells us that Vince is busted, but we haven't got a good shot of it yet. And wouldn't you know, now we get an unprotected chair shot to Shane McMahon. The camera gets a good shot of Vince, and he's all over the Ovaltron, and the crowd's like, ooh, when they get a good shot of it. Linda McMahon is here. The Stooges are trying to stop her. Shades of WrestleMania 8, when a young Shane McMahon was trying to stop Miss Elizabeth from interfering in a championship matchup. The Stooges tell Linda to wait. They enter the ring, but, but they're completely worthless and immediately tossed. Linda enters the ring. China grabs hold and holds Linda McMahon hostage. Triple H taunts. He shoves Vince's bloody face into Linda McMahon. He then mounts and punches, destroying the face even more. He takes Vince's blood off of his hands, rubs it onto his own chest, and, like, poses in front of Linda. I also heard that's how Thanksgivings go around there. Vince is completely decimated, placed in between the legs of a Triple H. Pedigree is incoming. But the glass shatters. Insane pop for Stokel Steve Austin's music. Austin attacks from the crowd in order to avoid the police officers. Unloads with fists of fire and fury. Stomps a mud hole. China sprints toward Austin. Austin, stutter! Triple H runs towards Austin. Stutter! Austin grabs a flaccid Vince McMahon. Puts Vince McMahon on top of Triple H. Shane McMahon is up. One. Two. Three. Oh my god! Vince McMahon has taken the title from Triple H. The McMahon posse picks up Vince. He's barely conscious. No chance in hell plays. He holds the belt with a big shit-eating grin on his face. Gerald Briscoe starts to convulse in celebration, but there's no time! We end our scene. Well, folks, that's how it went down, man. Triple H held the title. Triple H was on top, making waves. Vince McMahon, barred from WWF business, goaded into a confrontation, and is now the king of our world. I don't know what else I can say, guys. I'm glad I was able to do this for you, but it is just so fucking crazy how shit goes in this insane life we live sometimes I, I'm, I'm not i don't have anything else to pontificate i enjoyed watching the show i hope you enjoyed the show listening to it i had fun with the undercard matches but holy shit undeniable some of the craziest stuff i've seen i'm so happy i watched this today and yeah some of the parallels are a little forced but you know what I'm absolutely running with it. Make sure you subscribe to the new TNN so you get notified when new CEOs appear. I'm Johnny C. A winner is you. And all of us have no chance in hell.